Welcome to Produce Talks. This whole business is based on relationship and friendships. Food is darn simple. What can we do? What are other countries doing? How important it is for industry to be talking about this. We're going back to the farm. We're going back to the whole food. Hi, I'm Wally Burns, the Education and Training Manager at CPMA. CPMA would like to acknowledge Nature Fresh Farms as our Produce Talks series sponsor. Find out more about Nature Fresh Farms and how they are growing for a kinder future at www.naturefresh.ca. You can keep up with them on Instagram or Twitter at nature underscore fresh and on Pinterest at Nature Fresh along with other social media. This is the recording of a learning lounge from the recent CPMA Convention and Trade Show in Toronto. We listened to moderator Kimberly Roberts of Walmart discuss innovation and sustainability with other industry-leading women. They discuss moving the food industry forward with innovative solutions to ensure the long-term sustainability of food in Canada. The four panelists are Stephanie Sanson of Loop Mission, Sangeeta Lally of TELUS Agriculture, Susan Jones Ng of Liminera Company, Amy Bowen of Vineland Research and Innovation Centre. In addition, we've added a new segment to each of our monthly episodes called Industry Insights. Listen to the end of the podcast as Mike Mowdy shares current statistics from the Canadian consumer market. It's a short five-minute segment of current information that we hope will provide you with timely updates to help in your business. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we're going to get started. Um, Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, We're here to talk about women in produce, uh, leadership, and sustainability and innovation, uh, which is a great topic. And we've got some great ladies up here with us today to talk about that. Um, So a little bit about myself and who I am. I'm Kimberly Roberts. I'm the Senior Director of Produce at Walmart Canada. Very small company. You may not be familiar with it. (laughs) Um, and uh, I also sit on the board uh, with the team here at the CPMA. Um, so very honored to be joined uh, with our panelists today. Um, so Walmart, I mean, we have been on a journey focused on sustainability for a very long time uh, as an organization. Um, and uh, really, it's about how we build for a regenerative future. And that is inclusive of sustainability initiatives, meaning how we divert food waste. Um, It includes diversity inclusion, so that also includes more female women at leadership roles in the organization. So very excited to talk about that topic today. So I'm going to turn it over to our panelists here uh, to let them introduce themselves and give them a little bit of a background of who they are um, and how their company is focused on innovation and sustainability in the food industry. I'll start us off. Yeah, so hi everybody, I'm (laughs) Stephanie. Super excited to be here, excited to be among my female peers in the industry. I think that this is where it really sort of, I hope to see the direction of the industry moving in the future, seeing more women in senior leadership roles. So really excited to be here. Um, I work for Loop Mission. I'm not sure if any or all of you are familiar with us. Uh, We are a six and a half year old company based out of Montreal, founded really as a solution to a problem and a growing problem, which is food waste. So um, Colchain Arroz, Northeastern North America's largest produce distributor, reached out to David Cote, so one of our co-founders, really well known as 
serial entrepreneur, somebody who is a starter, makes things happen, and um, said, you don't know me, I know you. We've got a problem, can you do something about it? Um, and he said, let's talk, uh, let's talk through this problem, and went to their distribution center and was met with a wall of 16 tons of produce. And the VP of Ops said, every single day, this is what leaves our facility and goes to a landfill. Um, and David was struck and could not understand how this was possible. And at that time, he had recently started dating his co-founder and our president, Julie Poitras-Sonnier. Um, and she has her master's in sustainability. She led the Keurig team on a lot of their sustainability initiatives. So it really was a perfect coupling. Um, and that's where we were founded. So we built our cold-pressed juice house directly within Quilchain La Rose and started pressing juice six and a half years ago. Started small, grew, you know, grew in Quebec and have scaled since. So in the last <coughs> four and a half years have brought it into, you know, national distribution and now into the U.S. So pretty excited to be, you know, leading sales for a company that's doing something that's impactful and really, 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 truly is pivotal. Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of the issue, but food waste represents, you know, about a third of food total is sent to a landfill. So it's a massive problem. Um, and it is now, right? Like now that we need to find these solutions. So I'm really proud to work with Loop and hope to see more solution finders coming to the industry really soon. All right, my name's Sangeeta Lally and I'm the Public Policy Director for TELUS Agriculture and Consumer Goods. Uh, many of you have probably heard of TELUS before. Uh, <laughs> company has been around for more than three decades now, innovating in uh, telecommunications, you know, from dial-up to 5G wireless intranet and uh, rotary phones to cell phones. Uh, and over the last five to six years, we've been focusing our efforts on digitizing the agriculture sector. Uh, our goal is to digitize the agriculture supply chain from farm all the way over to retail and, uh, and leverage data across the whole supply chain from, uh, from one part of the supply chain to the other to help everybody optimize their operations. Uh, when it comes to sustainability and when reducing food waste, I, our, our tools can help uh, track where food is uh, at any given point uh, and, uh, and allow food to be diverted before it actually becomes waste so that it can be used in juices or in other, in other products in animal feed. Uh, so one of the uh, things that I focus on in particular is uh, on public policy and the policies that we can be uh, initiating in Canada and around the world to help, uh, to help resolve the hurdles to ag tech adoption. Things like rural connectivity, and I know there are a few questions that are coming up where I can dive into this topic a little bit more, and so I'll, I'll keep, my, keep my comments for then. Thanks, Susan. Uh, hello, everyone. Can you, can you hear me? Oh, great. Uh, my name is Susan Jones Ng, and um, I work for uh, Lehman Era Company. I'm the um, Director of Global Sales and Citrus Marketing. Um, we're a 130-year-old diverse um, citrus company. Um, we sell, we pack, um, and um, of course we do marketing. And um, for Lehman Era, um, we're in a perpetual state of innovation um, when it comes to agricultural practices, um, washing and packing, and our facility um, management. So when we 
when I looked at this question, um, what comes to mind is really a, um, a fundamental dilemma. And if you um, think in terms of, um, we've been growing food for, gosh, a millennia. And um, let's say in 1923, um, the population was 2 billion. And as of today, we're 8 billion. So what we've learned is um, there's, there's this population, this huge population, but think about this. The land that's available, it's the same as it was then, as it is now. So with that said, um, my sustainability team, um, oh gosh, um, we've learned that um, extensive tillaging um, and um, fertilizer, um, all these things that are, um, that we're working to, um, looking at alternatives, um, it impacts the environment. So within our own board and within our management team, the um, forefront um, and the focus is sustainability. Thank you. Amy? Okay. Um, so I'm Amy Bowen. Um, I work at the Vineland Research and Innovation Center. So we're a private, not-for-profit, horticultural research center that's located um, in the Niagara Peninsula. Um, and so we support sort of the horticultural industry in all sorts of different ways, from like new variety development to, um, you know, automated solutions um, for like, you know, labor challenges, technology validation, um, around pest and disease management. Um, I'm the director of our consumer sensory and market insights group, so a lot about understanding the consumer, understanding the, the value chains, understanding kind of the needs, you know, of the industry, consumer behavior around it, and then a lot around production practices. So we're very diverse and working on kind of the edible as well as non-edible. So um, we also work on sort of the nursery landscape side of things. And it's just ingrained in everything we do and sort of at Vineland to include sustainability, you know, as part of it. So it's actually part of our value proposition, which is to improve the, you know, economic competitiveness, sustainability, you know, for, you know, the Canadian sort of industry. So in in, in, in a lot of different things that we're doing, we're looking at it from different angles of what that means. So, you know, new variety development because we want less input so that these varieties that we're putting out and sort of offering have, you know, more sustainable farming practices or understanding the needs of the consumers around, you know, whatever it is that are kind of those topics and how to sort of educate and provide knowledge um, to sort of support that. So I don't want to steal too much of the questions sort of going yeah. forward, but so I'll, I'll keep that short and sweet so we've got lots of time to talk for the rest. Questions. <laughs> that's no, that's okay. I think you actually just answered the question I was going to ask um, around sustainability is at the core of every industry now. Uh, no matter where you are, government, retail, your consumer, it's top of mind for everybody. How do you take, when you're thinking of innovation, when you're innovating in your organizations, how do you take a lens of sustainability in everything that you do? What does that look like? So I guess I can start since I was already sort of talking about it. One of the things we really do is we look at the problem first and then how do you find the solution for that? And so what are the biggest challenges that the, the industry is facing or a specific sector or crop, you know, within the industry is facing? Because often if one is, somebody else is as well. So, you know, example like food waste, that's something that we're looking at, but realizing that a lot of people talk about food waste at the consumer level of what's being thrown out or at the store level, but actually at the production level, there's huge amounts of 
wastes that are happening in the field, that are happening sort of at processors. And so we've been doing a lot of work around sort of understanding that and how to create a more sustainable industry before it even gets to, you yeah. know, a chance for, you know, a consumer or a packer to be able to look at it. And then finding solutions or, you know, opportunities of being able to work. Another thing we find and that really helps around that in how we use sustainability is as a connector role because we're working both, we're, we're kind of the whole value chain from the, you know, primary producer, the, you know, the grower, all the way to, you know, working with retailers and, you know, the final consumer sort of that's purchasing it. So it's understanding who knows what information because it's amazing how you just assume that people understand what's happening and people have no idea. So that's another big role that we have in helping support the sustainability initiatives is connecting a grower that has massive amounts of waste with a company that's looking for waste streams, right? Um, and, and how to sort of make those connections or working with them of how to take that waste stream and keep it food safe, keep it, you know, from, you know, going bad because it's very perishable. What are the technology solutions that they need to then, you know, optimize that waste or transform it into, you know, a powder or, or something else. So, you know, that's just one example that, you know, we can sort of use, but can sort of look at it across our portfolio. It's really finding the problem and how we can address the solution with sustainable. And looking at it, I guess I would say end to end for the end whole length end. of the supply chain, where are the pain points and then how upstream. So embedding that in any way you're innovating, whether it's new products or new way of bringing things yeah. to market. So that's great. Yeah, I can, I can touch a little on this. I mean, at Loop, we started as Loop Juices, right? So we were Loop Juices, cold press juices, that, that is what we did, that's our core business. It remains our core business, but over time, we really became seen as solution finders for food waste, whether that's produce or whether that's byproducts. So in some ways, we became almost like an industry call center, um, and and it, it shifted the way that we innovated. So really innovated in a reactive way um, and, and, and extending our lines from there or launching new product lines from there. So we have 42 SKUs. I don't think that we ever thought that we would have that many SKUs. Uh, certainly didn't think that we would you know, branch out into alcohol a couple of years ago, but we get calls. So the alcohol is an example that's in partnership with Crispy Kernels. Um, they own a potato chip company and when they make their potato chips, they cut the ends off and they usually just send that to a landfill, but they're great, like too small to be a potato chip, sure, but good enough for something else, absolutely. Um, so we take those potato ends and we distill it into our Loop branded gin, right? And every bottle rescues two pounds of potatoes. So I think it's really, you know, our mission outside of growing, of course, our brand and, and fighting food waste is to really help all food manufacturers, all growers, all retailers look at their waste as an opportunity to create economy. Um, why not? Like, mm -hmm. why, why, pay, why pay the price to dispose of something that could be used as an ingredient for somebody else's product that they're manufacturing? So um, that's our goal, and we really choose to innovate based on the problem, right? Based on what's the growing problem and what can we do with this to create a product that's exactly the same, if not better, and most of the time it is better, right? Like, our juices were able to access premium premium produce items. We can put strawberries and yellow peppers into our juices, just items that are typically too expensive to press into a cold press juice. So it's really about how do we shift, shift our lens of how we look at you know, extracting something new from the, from the earth and instead look at what's already available, what's already in circulation, and what can we, can we use that's going to avoid that going to a landfill. So yeah, 
I think and Stephanie's trying to convince everybody on sustainability and also to support Luke. I mean, I am in sales at the end of the day. On our end, we've been focusing on uh, making sustainability core to the public policy initiatives uh, and ideas that we're putting together uh, at TELUS and at TELUS Agriculture. Uh, you know, digitization and digital technologies, if applied across all industries in Canada, could reduce emissions by up to 20%. Uh, mobile digital technologies could reduce emissions in the agriculture sector in Canada by 10%. Uh, digitization and technology can play a massive role. However, uh, digital uh, policies do not play a core role in climate initiatives and climate policies uh, in Canada or in the G7 countries. Uh, so there's a real gap between the climate targets that are being set and how to actually enable them. Uh, core to digitization is you know, rural connectivity. Uh, 40% of uh, rural households do not have access to reliable connectivity today. Uh, and by reliable connectivity, I mean 50-10 speeds, and that's the definition that the government uses. Um, so you know, digital policies that support faster rollout of rural connectivity and eventually faster rollout of 5G to rural communities so that agriculture-based areas can, can be leveraging automation um, through, through 5G connectivity uh, is, is extremely important, as well as you know, policies like uh, creating an, an, a strategy for a national for uh, creating a strategy for the adoption of technologies uh, in the country or digital reskilling of farmers. Uh, there are lots of digital policies that can be applied that also double up as climate policies. Uh, and that's something that we've been encouraging both industry and government to, to start considering. All right, thank you. I'm going to jump to the next question. Um, so all of your organizations um, have chosen to make innovation a key component in product development. So I want to understand why that's the case and not um, just redefining existing products. Why is it so important? Um, for Lehman Era Company, um, because we've been we've been around for 130 years, and um, of course we want to be around another 130 years. So, with that said, um, sustainability is just um, it's just a part of our company. This is this is what we do. So, when we look at innovation, um, we look at it as collaboration amongst our amongst our team. And um, our teams are set up with um, various, um, again, departments from farming to sales, um, our sustainability department, um, housing, operation. So uh, it's really important that we continue to communicate. And when we do that, we look at um, our three vital areas that we're looking at is soil, um, fertilizer, and again, um, when we talk about food waste. And um, I think it was Stephanie that was um, talking about the different parts of um, like a potato or adding the strawberries. Um, for us, um, what we do, and also touches upon what Amy was talking about too, knowing that we're a grower, um, for example, um, the lemons that we grow, um, we know exactly how much of the lemons that we're bringing in to our facility 
and we're picking from our orchards, which is basically 100% um, coming in. So what goes out um, that isn't sold fresh into, let's say, retail or food service, it goes to um, juice. So um, any other product from picking um, that's um, rot or rotten um, a bit that can't be sold either way goes directly to our mulch. Yeah. And we have a uh, mulch company on site. So we grind everything um, up within the green waste and we use mulch on our orchards. So we're constantly um, being um, asked, um, what else can we do? Because mm -hmm. we all live on this planet together. Yeah. And with that said, um, with fertilizer, um, the synthetic fertilizer, we're trying to um, look at alternative fertilizer and we're working on that too and as you guys know that's um, one of the um, oh my gosh the GHG on this is pretty incredible especially for for the environment and then we um, look in terms of um, the soil and the soil is extremely important because what goes into the soil can run off into the ocean and that causes issues too so we look at um, our inputs into the soil and also, of course, our outputs. So this is constantly being looked at by our, our teams and, and our different committees. So um, it's extremely important. And again, it's, it's part of our culture. And um, I know it's one of our questions that we were going to talk about. but. Um, when you collaborate and you collaborate within a team, um, you have that trust factor and you have the respect um, as um, like our colleagues here and um, within a team. You have to be able to be fearless about your suggestions and, and bring it up because look, um, when we talk about sustainability, it's not stagnant, it's constantly evolving. So your teams have to continuously evolve and bring up those hard questions. And again, you really have to be fearless about um, what your suggestions and your suggestions are. So. Yeah, yeah. We're I think we're living in a world where um, we, need, we need to do more faster. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that is why we need to constantly innovate. And it's not yeah. just about you know, reinventing existing products. Like that's yeah. not what consumers want and that's not what the world needs. We need to think outside of the box and Loop's a great uh, example of that. I mean, I think there's also like just briefly, there's, there's a ceiling to every category, right? And you're sharing that space with competitors as you should, but there's a ceiling. And what we know is the problem's growing. It's sad and it's unfortunate, but the problem is growing. We have access to more waste than we did six years ago, right? So from 16 tons to 20 tons. So innovation is key because there's so much food waste to innovate with. Um, but it also, it broadens your mission awareness. So cross-category merchandising potential is like, is is phenomenal for any brand for you know any brand so if you're seen in a dry aisle and you're seen in a fridge and you're seen at the lcbo and you're seen at multiple touch points it sort of intrigues the consumer to try to understand what the heck you're doing which hopefully leads them down the path of understanding the mission and educating themselves 
And I think, I mean, no, I think I know that Gen Zs and millennials, they are the future, of course, and they're the target market. They will spend more on cause-based items. Like, that's a fact. There's no doubts about that. So market to those people, innovate for those people. There's a consumer base that's there. And knowing that the problem is growing, you're really left with no option but to, but to innovate. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and to add on to that, on, on the farming side too, um, when we look at regenerative farming, okay, you're gonna, it's, it promises to uh, produce more yield and it decreases um, the input that you're putting into the ground. But all this is for environmental stability. So when you say increase in, well, when I say increase in input, we're also talking about um, um, the consumer and when we talk about cost and is it, if you're putting this much into your sustainability program, are you gonna recover the cost? And um, our answer is yes, it promises to do this. And yet again, it is, um, it brings environmental stability. And if we can benchmark and quantify the actions that are taking place, um, you know, generally using technologies and data to create the initial benchmark and then the, count the additional actions that are taken, it allows us to also communicate to our customers what actions were taken and what kind of impact those have. Um, but we you know, first need to start with the basics and get the benchmarks down, uh, which I you know many companies are starting to work on individually, um, and uh, well, hopefully we'll see more, more national benchmarks uh, come forward as well. Just quickly on that, I'll be really quick, is I think the other thing too, it's the nature of fruits and vegetables. There's massive amounts of variation. So if you need to fix something in it, you can't just add an ingredient. You have to develop a new product, right? And so that's inherent to sort of that innovation pipeline that continually happens. And it takes a lot of time and effort to develop new varieties, to develop new production practices. So why would you just mimic what's already out there? You're going to start with the problem and find a solution. So it again goes to that innovation, like the innovative nature. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears here um, and go back to the women in produce uh, conversation. So I'm going to read a quote, uh, a study that was published in Stanford Medicine Magazine in 2017, 2017 that stated new technologies have generated a growing pile of evidence that there are inherent differences in how men's and women's brains are wired and how they work. Now, I'm sure we could all go on that topic for, for quite a while, but uh, we're not going to get into you know, some specifics on why they differ. But I want to understand from the group here today on your take and, and an experience you've had in terms of how your approach to innovation or innovating new ideas may have been different um, from those of your counterparts who are male. And if you haven't had that experience, uh, but if you have, kind of explain why. Um, I mean, I'm a huge advocate that there is a, there's value in having diversity. You need a well-balanced team to, to move initiatives forward. Um, but it's interesting to tie that there's actual differences in brain structure. So I guess from my experience, what I see, and one thing that's interesting is our organization, which is you know research and in horticulture, is majority women. So we're at like 60% women that are sort of employed there. But I think when I sort of see the difference, it's the maybe it's the approach. It's a more kind of open, take in all the ideas, gather all the information, figure out 
what is important to still it down and go forward. Whereas sometimes when it's like being led by some of my male colleagues, it's like, that's the idea, we're going with it, right? And so it's just, and you know, that's obviously generalizing, but I think that's the one thing is it's taking in more opinions, taking more time before to kind of deciding on the path and bringing in those different, you know, um, views and sort of options and um, versus just kind of going with sort of the, the first instinct. So that would be that would be my experiences more. It's just taking a bit more time with the pro with the innovation um, development pipeline. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, um, we're I'm getting a time check here. We're gonna pause <laughs> and and put it over to the crowd. If anyone has any questions uh, for any of our panelists today, no, you want? All right. Hi, um, my name is Sarah. I'm working for Ragsman. It's a vegetable seed company. Um, and in our field, we see a lot of uh, fruit waste at the producer level, mostly because the produce does not apply to packaging standards or it doesn't fit in the right box. Um, do you have any idea how we could reduce that? Because on, on the variety level, we can of course, select varieties to produce the right size or the right shape or the right color. But it's we're talking about a live produce, so it's not 100% sure. And we'll always have a diversity in the end product. How can we make sure that this is not waste anymore, but it's actual produce that can be used uh, at 100%? I, th I think it's a, it's managing that diversity and knowing it's going to be there and diversifying your product line. So it's like the, it's like the grading system. The number ones go here, but for all those ones that are ugly or don't fit or are too big, too small, whatever it is, that we do other things with it. So whether we're making purees or powders or selling it to uh, another company or you know whatever those things might be, but it's thinking within your own company, how can we diversify that waste to create value from it or partner with somebody else that we can then you know. Create create value from that waste. I think the partnerships are big. How can you partner? Um, and that's where we go back to, where you look at it end to end. Like where, where is there a gap? And you know, if there is a partnership, if there's you know, other people within the industry that are having a problem, you can both come together and, and, and come up with a solve. Um, I think that's a big one too. Yeah, managing fresh products that have, you know, that consumers are speculative on, that look a little ugly, is really, really hard. And I, I know that at Loop, it's it's labor intensive, it's 100% resource intensive. If we're if we're buying a load of strawberries, let's say, it comes packed in clamshells, right? So we're having to unpack everything and sort it. If it's pears, we have to peel the stickers off, and so it's 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 very resource heavy. And most quality directors are probably going to say, no, we're not going to make something with a second or that needs to be sorted. So I think it really does come back to partnering with people in the industry that have already created the process to streamline that waste. But also I really think it's also leaning in and collaborating and finding the gaps with our retail partners. The landscape of how we shop has changed in the last century, right? Like we're going into supermarkets, it's where 99% of us shop. So how do we partner with our retailers to drive a message into the market that ugly food is edible? Like who cares if your beet is oval and not round? Who cares if your carrot has three legs? Can we save a little bit, you know? So I think it, the, 
the, the larger voice in the industry is the retailer. So how do we get closer with their sustainability teams to really bring forward a message to consumers that makes us more comfortable with buying and consuming ugly food? Like it really is, I think, coming back to how do we educate and then bring together industry, bring together consumers, and just work towards a better future. Yeah. If, if I can just say, if I can just say, that's a great segue to say, Kimberly will be back tomorrow <laughs> talking about sustainability at Walmart and along with some other colleagues and other uh, organizations. So back to you, Kimberly, to wrap it up. I will. Yeah, no. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Thank you, everybody here, for joining us today. Um, thank you to all of our amazing panelists uh, for all of your input and insight uh, on this topic. So have a great uh, show. And uh, thank you. For the last few years, CPMA has made a significant effort to get to know the Canadian produce consumer better. After all, where would we be without the people who actually buy the products offered by our members? To celebrate these efforts, we're adding a new segment to our podcast series called Industry Insights. Each month, we'll hear from experts like Mike Mowdy, CPMA's own consumer guru, who will provide our listeners with just a taste of what we've learned about the Canadian consumers this month. So welcome, Mike. We're always very interested to hear what the Canadian produce consumer has to say. What did you learn this month? Well, thanks a lot again, uh, Wally. I really appreciate uh, you having me on, on this podcast. Uh, and again, we learned a lot of interesting things about the Canadian consumer. Last month, we took a little bit of a deeper dive into consumer response on produce inflation and the types of departments that they're cutting back on in the grocery store. This month, we're going to go a little bit deeper and take a look at the types of produce items that they're leaving at the grocery store. Plus, we want to take a look at one of the tools that retailers use to drive, to drive sales in the store, even in these inflationary times. I'm talking about the weekly flyer. Specifically, we're going to review some of the perceptions held by consumers to see if we can use that to our advantage when we're trying to drive consumption. I'm anxious to hear about the types of fruits and vegetables that are being left behind. I'm also a bit nervous. What did you learn? Well, no surprise, the products that consumers are buying the most, things like berries and grapes, and on the, the veg side, uh, lettuces and, and cooking vegetables, are the ones that are most frequently left behind during these, these inflationary times. But interestingly, depending on the demographics, other products kind of sneak into that uh, top pictures. For example, uh, those who have the highest incomes in Canada are more likely to leave apples behind, whereas the youngest consumers, those aged 20 to 34, are most likely to leave tropical fruit behind. And some of these people who are in the upper middle uh, income brackets are most likely to leave value-added produce behind. So while the most common uh, products sold are the ones across the board, we do see these nuances depending on the demographic. That's very interesting. And your research so shows that the weekly flyers can help mitigate declines? Well, for sure. I mean, the weekly flyers is something that we've long thought has been uh, a bit of a declining tool. Uh, but what we found is that three quarters of the population are actually uh, using flyer items. And 
of those three quarters, we're finding that three quarters uh, agree that the flyer items are less expensive than non-flyer items. And they also agree that some of their favorite items are being put on a rotation. So the products that they want to buy most, if they miss it this time, it's going to come back uh, in a future ad and they can pick it up that time. But what we are seeing also is that the older consumers are more likely to be reading flyers and using flyers for their weekly shop. So that does give a little bit of, of an indication that maybe it is a habit of a bygone era. Surprisingly, though, people with higher incomes are more likely to gravitate towards flyer usage. But unsurprisingly, we see that discount shoppers are also more likely to use flyers. So it can be a tool to drive consumption and mitigate some of these products that are being left on the shelf due to inflation. It does sound like a large percentage of the consumers know what to expect in the flyer. That's good to hear that the message is resonating. Any other things to look for or to be careful about about flyers? Well, one thing that is a bit concerning is half the population, including half of the population that are using flyers, believe that flyer items are either older stock that the stores are looking to get rid of or are a lower grade of product. So there is an opportunity to change that perception. And this is felt most strongly with the youngest consumers. So uh, this again leads us to the idea that perhaps it's something trusted more by older consumers and something that that might go away over over time as as these younger consumers get more into the the uh, the grocery stores. Thanks, Mike. We look forward to hearing more from you next month. Well, thank you very much, Wally, and I'm happy happy to be here. Thank you to the listeners and. Remember, you can subscribe to Produce Talks at Google or Apple Podcasts and on most other podcast players. Until next time, fill half your plate with fruits and veggies, continue to seek out new knowledge, and basically never stop growing.